0: Awesome, Tom. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. So good to hear what God's doing in his life. And welcome all of you that are here in person. Welcome all of you that are listening online. We're very excited about going through this series called Be the Church. And as a reminder, this is a series talking about the importance, especially at these times, of how important is it for us to just not go to church or attend the church, but actually be the church in the way that we live our lives Every day. It's so important to live out that mission that God has given us and to be uh, letting that seep into every part of our life. The world needs to see us being the church. And we've been talking about the one another commands. We've been talking about love one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, all these different one another commands that are in the scriptures. And as we live those out, that's what it means to be the church. Some of these have been just inspiring and encouraging, challenging, Uh, hopefully empowering to you hopefully if you've been listening in or you can go back and listen to this series they have been helping you in your walk with God and they they've they've uh, just done so many different things uh, to move us forward I will say today this may be one of the more challenging one another commands today we're going to be talking about something that probably makes us kind of gulp a little bit but it's about confessing to one another confessing our sins to one another that the Bible tells us is so important to do. It's really hard, isn't it? It's, we kind of take that gulp and we take a deep breath like, wow, okay, this isn't uh, the, the, the teaching I was hoping to hear today, but it's in God's Word and we're going to talk about that. And, and it's hard because of two things, right? We have to admit there's something to confess. We have to admit that we have sins, that we have made mistakes. The Bible says that all these sins are anything that we have done to displease God. Anything that we've done to injure our relationship with God or to injure other people. Those are mistakes that we need to say sorry for. That we need to be sorrowful for. And then it talks about not only do we just have that feeling inside of us or that response in our hearts, but we actually have to verbalize that to other people. Uh, I love this quote by Mark Twain, the famous author. He says, sometimes people are disturbed by the things in the Bible they don't understand. He said, I'm not as bothered by the things of the Bible I don't understand. What concerns me is the things in the Bible I do understand. You kind of get the the gist of that. There's enough in scripture that challenges the heck out of us. It's very difficult to go through the scripture and know that we're not just reading the scripture, we're not just reading God's word, but the word is reading us. No other book in human history has been more read than the book of that God has given us. No Bible, no book has been read as much as the Bible because it describes our human condition so well, doesn't it? It just reads our heart. It just reveals who we really are and what we need. It's humbling to read. So here's our big idea for today. This is the thing that we want you to take away from today. Being the church, which we've been talking about for weeks, involves a deeper level of transparency and humility. The Bible is calling us to be transparent with one another and to be in a humble place That is the essence of the Gospel in which we're going to talk about here in a moment. So only two points today. Here's the first one. Number one, being the church means we confess our sins to God. The Bible tells us we need to, on a regular basis, be before our holy God in prayer, in this date time with Him. In this communion with God, we get alone with God and we are honest about how we're really doing. It's silly, right, that we wouldn't be honest because He knows everything. He's omniscient. He already knows all the attitudes and the struggles and the the lusts and the sins and the selfish things in our lives that we've done on purpose. The sins of omission. The things in our mind and our hearts. The things that are seen and they're unseen. He sees them all why wouldn't we come to God and be honest? We come to God and we're transparent with Him. We're humble before Him. And we acknowledge, God, You are a holy God. You are the boss. You get to say how I live my life and I have fallen short. And we walk with God and we confess our sins to Him. 1 John 1, verses 7-9 through says this, But if we walk in the light as He, God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, there it is, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see if we want to walk with Jesus, which we passionately pray that every one of you would do. Every one of that you one of us that every person that can hear right now to know, this is your purpose in life, to walk in the light, to not walk in a life of darkness. It says if you want to walk in that light, this is what that means, to walk in a deeper level of confession. We know that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all our sins, but if we go through life or we go through any season where we're claiming to not have sin, we're deceiving ourselves. We're justifying our sin. We're sweeping it under the carpet. We're making excuses and we're not living in real fellowship with God or with other people. And we're all tempted to be that way. We're all tempted to, be, to think that we're better than we are. To be deceived. To minimize our sin. Or to lower the bar to where we're at and not acknowledge the bar that God has set for us. But if we confess our sins, here's the beautiful thing. He's faithful to forgive us. He wants to forgive us. He wants to shower us with His un. Conditional love. No matter what we've done, it says our sins can be washed clean. They can be set aside and set onto the cross. So here's a question I have for you. Do you have an understanding of the Gospel? And have you made a personal decision to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? If you're here in person, I want you to really... Ponder that in your heart. Do you really understand the gospel and what that means to be good news for all of us? If you're listening online and maybe you've been tuning in and you're wondering, what is this church all about? This is what we're all about the gospel. And the Bible says you need to have some mental understanding of the gospel, but then you also need to receive it personally. Because here's what the Bible says. None of us are good enough to go to heaven on our own. Many people live according to this misconception that they're good people. And if they just live a little bit better when they die, they will be able to go to heaven on their own merit. And nothing could be more contrary to the Bible. We are not a bunch of holy people here on our own merit. We gather together because we fellowship over this fact that we're broken, but the blood of Jesus has made us whole. Nothing that we have done on our own. And you see, each one of us has to accept that for ourselves. So have you made that personal decision to have Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? You see, the Bible says really there's only two places that your sin exists. There's only two places If you have sinned, that sin is still on your soul, possibly. Or, if you've put your faith in Jesus, those sins are at Calvary, covered by the blood of Jesus. Just because Jesus died for all the sins of all the world, of all mankind, that doesn't mean everyone is forgiven. Some people are not confessing that to God, and they haven't asked Christ into their life, and that sin is still on their soul, I hope and pray that that isn't you. So, your sin is either with you and you're going to pay for that yourself, or our sin is at Calvary and He paid for it for us. The greatest ransom, the greatest act of love, the greatest payment that was ever made was at Calvary. And each of us has to choose do I want Jesus to pay for my sin or am I going to pay for it myself? You know, when I was a little boy, I went to a traditional church and I didn't always understand what was being sang. I didn't know I understand what was being preached and the gospel was uh, I'm surely uh, shared there in some way or another, but I didn't understand it and I surely didn't live it. And I don't know if you've heard this song before, but I remember as a little kid singing this song, Were You There? And this song says, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? Oh, and it's got some O's in there. And it says, sometimes it causes me to tremble. And as a little boy, we would sing that song a lot. And I remember this gigantic cross with this this statue of Jesus on this cross. And as a little boy, seeing that gigantic statue there and singing this song, and just kind of in my heart thinking, what does this mean? You know, I, I know He died for my sins. Were you there? Of course I wasn't there. This was thousands of years ago. Was I there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble. And I remember it was such a somber song. It was such a sad song that tears would come to my eyes Wanting to know what this means. And now I have this understanding. You see, you and I have a choice. Were you there when they crucified our Lord? If you have asked Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, you were there. More importantly, your sins were there. And if you weren't there, if your sins aren't there, they're here in your soul as we speak. And that is a choice that every one of us has to make. Every one of us has this opportunity to be there. To say, yes, Jesus, I understand that when You died, You died for the sins of the world in the past and at that time and all the sins of the future. And we can be a part of that. We are invited to be there. Matthew 18, verses 3 and 4 shares this so so uh emphatically about this humility that is needed to understand the cross you see the disciples were debating about who was the greatest they were filled with pride they were people that were just getting their eyes off of Jesus and not understanding heaven and they were knowing that something was pretty cool was happening but they're like well when we get to heaven who of us is going to be the greatest and they're getting their kind of their their pecking order going, and Jesus says this to them, truly I say to you, in verses 3 and 4, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus warns them as he's warning us today, if you're conceited, If you're filled with pride, you're wondering how are you measuring up with everyone else? The Bible says you have to be converted. You have to be humbled like a child. You have to come and confess your sins and say, I don't even deserve to be there. And that humility and that transparency with this confession in our heart is what gets us in the right place to see our need and to receive Jesus and be rescued. said so the most humble, the one that's willing to be transparent and confess the sin, that's who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Thinking of this verse here in Matthew 18 about children, I'm thinking about my own son, Max, who we had this great interaction not too long ago, and I asked him, Max, can I share that story about Uh, what happened a couple weeks ago, because I'm talking about the confession of sin. And he said, yeah, go for it. So I have his permission to share this story. But a couple weeks ago, I came home with this bag of donuts that we love. These little Hostess donuts, if you've ever had those before. The glazed are by far the best. And I will bring these bag of donuts home because we all love them. And they're really small. You can fit one in your mouth at a time. And, uh, and maybe I ate one, maybe I ate five. It's not for you to know. And we were just devouring these. And, um, and all of a sudden, I noticed like the next day, the bag was gone. And I was kind of confused because there's a lot of donuts in there. And I was like, guys, does anybody know where the bag of donuts is? It's, it's gone. And, and no one said anything. I was like just kind of surprised. I mean, we usually eat them fast, but not this fast. The next day, Max came to me, my youngest son. He says, Dad, i got to confess to you, I wanted those donuts so much, I hid them under my bed so that no one else could eat them. I said, how dare you take my donuts? No, I didn't say that. I was so surprised, first of all, because he's just such an amazing, sweet kid. But I quickly jumped into what was going on. I said, Max, that is so awesome that you came and told me that. I was confused. I would have never known where those went. Thank you for confessing that to me. And we talked through that a little bit. And I was just so proud of Him. I was so proud of His courage. I was so proud of His honesty. And I could see in Him at that moment what I've always seen in Him. A beautiful, sensitive spirit to what is right. And it bothered him enough that he knew, I need to come and confess this. I'm so confident that all of us have a bag of donuts under our bed. Maybe it's some food issue. Maybe it's some alcohol issue. Maybe it's some kind of sexual sin. Maybe it's some kind of hate or unforgiveness I could tally up the list for you, but being in ministry over all these years, I have seen in myself, I have plenty to confess. And I've seen in our staff and in many of our leaders and people that have come in honesty, I'm pretty confident every one of us has something, thing, has some issue, has some escape or some attitude that we need to confess to God. And we need to be honest about what's going on in our lives. Which leads us to our second point. Being the church means we confess our sins to each other. To be the church, we don't just confess our sins to God and move on with our lives. You know why? We could really have isolation with each other and no community in our church if we're only talking to God. And God loves us. He gives us His unconditional love. He forgives us. When we confess our sin, He points to the cross. He says, look at what I did for you for that thing that you committed. But then the Bible says, now go and tell a trusted brother or sister about your sin. James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another And pray for one another so that you may be healed. I've been very open with you over the years. We, as preachers and our staff, have tried to create a climate of transparency in our church. And I'm super excited about that. And I'm very thankful for the culture that we have. But I know that God is pushing us into even more confession with one another so that we can be more intimate with one another. And I've been very transparent with you about the sins of my life. And I've shared those with you about the mistakes that i made. Things that delayed my ministry in my 20s. And my unforgiveness. And the lusts. And the selfish decisions that have hurt me. And I don't stand up here as a perfect person by any means. I stand up here as a broken person that everything good in my life has come through the blood of Jesus by His grace and forgiveness. So you and I need to continue to create a spirit and an environment of transparency. And you know the people outside the church, boy, do they need that. They might look at us and think, I don't want to go to church. They're all perfect people. I I don't want to go to church. They're all holy. They're not going to accept me. Maybe they've got shame and maybe they've got sin. Maybe they think God hates them. Maybe they think we hate them. And they build up this barrier that Satan is whispering to them that says, you have too much sin. You have too much shame. And if you go near those Christians, you will be judged. And you see, God gives us this spiritual discipline of confession to break all that down and say, no, that's not the case. You will not be judged here. We are with you. We're in the water drowning. And except Jesus Christ coming to pull us out, we would be drowning and dying. But we're in the boat, and we want you to join us and enjoy this loving, gracious God. But people are hesitant. We're hesitant to confess our sins because we want to hold on to our reputation because we want to be prideful. There's an amazing story about confession in the story of David and Nathan. And it's a long story. And I'm going to summarize it very quickly for you. David was, the Bible says, a man after God's own heart. God had blessed him. He was King David. He's in the palace. He's got all this favor from God and all this influence over the kingdom, and one day he makes a terrible mistake. He sees this woman bathing. He's married. This woman Bathsheba is married. But in his lust, he says, I want that woman for myself. He sends for her. She comes. He sleeps with her. He commits adultery. And she becomes pregnant. Does David confess his sins and break down on his knees and say, God, I'm so sorry, and tell everybody? No. He tries to cover it up. He can't handle the guilt. He doesn't want his reputation to be soiled. So he tries to cover up. He finds Bathsheba's husband who's out as a soldier and says, well, maybe if he comes back and sleeps with her, then this pregnancy can be with them and not blamed on me. He's such an honorable man. He won't even go home and be with his wife. And long story short, David spirals into this dark place which leads him to even have Bathsheba's husband killed in battle to cover his sin so that he won't be found out for the sinner that he is. He commits adultery and he commits murder and he's in this dark place. And I pray to God that every one of us has a Nathan in their life. Because David has this amazing man named Nathan that's a prophet and a friend and this wise man. And he knows what David did. And he knows David isn't in a place of confession. So he comes and he comes up with this hypothetical story just to kind of get into his hard heart. And he says, oh, David, let me talk to you. Nathan comes to me and says, I got this hypothetical for you and I need you to give me your amazing wisdom because you're such a great ruler. Help me out. David says, fire away. Nathan says, there's this man. This rich man. He's got everything. He's got tons of sheep. He's really well off. There's another poor man that has one little lamb. Just one sheep. And this little lamb's like a family member to him. And this rich man has this guest coming and instead of slaughtering one of his own sheep to feed to the guest, he goes and he steals the poor man's one sheep and he slaughters that one to give to his guest. Oh, wise David, what should I do? And David's filled with rage. He's just fired up. Oh, how dare this rich man. What a selfish, despicable thing. This man should be punished with all the wrath that he deserves. And in this beautiful moment, Nathan just puts it to him. He says, you, David, you are that rich rich man and david just breaks david is just humbled and he says this in 2nd samuel 12 13 then david said to nathan i have sinned against the lord i have sinned he admits it to god he admits it to nathan There's this confession that we're talking about that's so important to admit before God that we've sinned and admit it to someone else. And you know, just thinking about David's anger that he was feeling inside of us reminded me of this survey that I had just heard about just a couple weeks ago. You know, not long ago, Pew Research, which does all kinds of polling did a study on the emotional state and just the thoughts of americans right now during this very difficult year and pew research put out that the top thing that americans are feeling right now 71 percent of americans said the highest thing they're feeling is anger i thought wow that's so hard to hear that's so sad And I think I can understand that a little bit too in my own life. There's a lot to be angry about in this world right now, right? And some of that is so worthy of a righteous anger. And I'm not going to say that we shouldn't be angry. The Bible says we can be angry. We should fight for justice, right? We should get fired up for godly things and push the gospel forward in this mission to bring the gospel to injustices that make us angry. But here's what I want to leave with you today. Here's what I want to challenge you with. If you're one of those 71% that are just filled with anger, here's my question. Are you that angry with the things going on out in the world as you are with the sin in your own life? Be angry about the injustices out there. But be angry about the injustices in here. God hates all sin. And it's worthy of His anger. It's it's worthy of wrath. But man, I want to get before God. And I want us as a church to get before God and say, God, get me fired up about the sin in my own life. I don't want to be out there critical toward myself and I just put it on everybody else and just point the finger at the world and everything that's wrong out there. I want to be a godly man. I want us as a church to be godly men and women that look inward first and say, Lord, search my heart and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Let that reflection be toward me first. Let me be angry about the sin in my life that's ruining me. That's ruining my relationship with you. That's messing up my marriage and my family and my community. Because if you think, well, I'm not like David. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not killing people. I just have some small struggles. Then you really don't understand how holy of a God we serve. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we live in this realm of the spiritual world and living out the life that the Holy Spirit is leading us to or living the life of the flesh and of the world. So we read the Bible, we read Galatians 5 and we hold up the mirror to ourselves and we read the checklist of the world to see what's going on in us. And here's what it says. Galatians 5:19 through21. The acts of the flesh, the, the sinful acts of the world are obvious. sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I know the world's messed up, but is any of this stuff in you? What about me? And what about you? And we get before God and we say, God, is there any sexual immorality in my life? What am I looking at? What am I thinking about? What kind of lustful things are in my heart? What kind of impurity is in me? How am I doing with my food? How am I doing with my obedience and my attitude? Anything that's an idol in my life, strip it away. Is there anyone that I have a hatred toward? Any kind of discord? That's a tension and an unresolved uh, fight or any kind of tension that we know God wants us to bring peace to. Or reconciliation? We're not willing to. God, who am I jealous toward? Take that away from me. Fits of rage and anger. Selfish ambition. Why am I always just looking out for myself when you ask me to lay down my life for you and others? God, take this out of me. These dissensions, these factions, these groups that are fighting. The envy, the alcohol. All of it, God. What is in me that is not pleasing to you? I want to give that to you. And again, I bring you back to this. I really believe that there's that bag of donuts under our bed. And just like Max, I'm so proud of him. He could come and say, Dad, I need to confess this. That was probably hard for him it probably took some courage it probably took some humiliation but he did it and we can too we can come to one another and tell each other the deep things and now let me clarify something you want to talk to people that love you that trust you and that you trust and that we're going to give you the gospel People that will keep it confidential. You don't have to go out and tell the whole world. You don't have to post it on Facebook. You've got to find some godly, trusted people and confess everything to them. This has changed my life. To have men and women in my life that I can confess my sin to and that they won't crucify me, but they point to the crucified Lord. They don't punish me. They show me compassion. It's an amazing thing that we're trying to build here in H2O. And I want to invite you to build that culture all the more because we have seen this over decades that confession brings community. Conceit brings competition. We do not want to be competing against one another We don't want to be comparing and say, if I say this to them, they're going to think they're better than me. I love Jim Gaffigan. He's such a funny comedian. We listen to Jim Gaffigan a lot. And maybe you've heard the little thing that he does with McDonald's. You know, he does this long thing with McDonald's. And he says, you know, when I tell people I eat at McDonald's, sometimes they look at me and say, oh, I didn't know I was better than you. (laughs) Sometimes we can feel like if we tell people, certain things in our life, they're going to think that we're, they're better than us. Maybe those aren't the right people to confess our sins to. But I'll tell you, there's lots of people in this church that are the right people. They're not going to think they're better than you. They're going to say, I'm just like you. Let's go to the cross together. I'm going to pray right now and ask us to, uh, to pray through this challenge because here's the application and the practicals for this week. I'm going to pray that every one of us gets time alone with God this week to be at a deeper level of confession and honesty than we've ever been. Get alone with God and say, God, open up my heart. Reveal the things to me that You don't want there anymore. Give me a spirit of surrender and transparency with you. And God's going to bring up things. And if he's not speaking to you right away, and if he hasn't even during this message brought up a couple things in your life that you really need to confess to him, begin reading the word and he will graciously and with love point out the things that you're not living according to the potential that he has for you. Read Galatians 5 and allow him to examine your heart through his Word, And then confess those things to Him and tell Him you're sorry. And if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and you're pretty confident those souls are still on you, those sins are still on your soul, you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and be freed from those sins. Ask Jesus to come into your life and know that you're forgiven. Know that when you die, you're going to be with Him for eternity. He wants you to know that. Now there's many times I've done that in my life and it's been amazing. And it brings intimacy with God. And then I think I'm done and I say, okay, God, amen. And He says, no, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Now I want you to go tell Brian. I want you to go tell Matt. I want you to go tell Chad and Daryl and these brothers in your life. I want you to go tell your wife. And it goes to a a deeper level of humility because now my reputation's on the line. God says you want community? You want to be real? You want to be the church? Go and be honest. And I challenge you to do that this week. Find that thing that God wants you to confess and find someone that's trusted and tell them. Experience freedom. Experience the community that God has for you. Let's pray for that.